0: We know that many of us are not here this, this morning, a lot of vacations happening and Thanksgiving breaks happening, but we're glad that you were able to join us um, this morning for worship. Just want to go through a few announcements and uh, then we'll get started with our service this morning. Um, just a couple of general church announcements. Don't forget to sign up to, to participate in One Night in Bethlehem. It is December 4th and the 10th, which is three weeks from today which kind of like is scary Um, but it's also good right we're excited to do it but we also need to know who's going to be able to participate and help with that so if you haven't signed up already there's a sheet in the back that you can sign up on and a list of what we need correct so um, grab your spot now and uh, don't end up being the person you don't want to be so Um, also uh, this morning shoe boxes are due back thank you so much for everyone who have who have filled those up and brought them brought them back I'm going to take those to Franklin this morning and uh, as we saw last week those make such a huge impact on on kids across the world and so we're very thankful that you guys have partnered with us in order to supply those gifts of those Christmas shoe boxes. Um, Also if you were interested in and Giving or helping with food for a Thanksgiving outreach—I know that Neil had mentioned that last week. Um, if you didn't get to talk to him, you can talk to me about that, and I can try to relay that information. But there's a, a special outreach that's happening for Thanksgiving for our community, and so if you have any interest in providing food for that, you can see me, and uh, we'll get you connected with all that's going on with that. And I also have a big handwritten note up here. I wonder who that's from, Miss Vaughn, and. Uh, Miss Vaughn is taking her Sunday school class ice skating December the 17th. So this is for third, fourth, or fifth graders. Um, and so she wanted to invite any third, fourth, or fifth graders who are interested in going ice skating. Um, they'll leave at 1 o'clock and be back around 4.30 or 5. $10 for skates and $10 for snacks. It's in LaGrange. So it's going to be rain or shine. They have it covered. Good. So if you have any questions about that, you can see Miss Vaughn and uh, Ms. Vaughn, you want to raise your hand so everybody knows? And, uh, and the cell number's on the sign up sheet. So if you have any kids interested in that, please, um, please let her know as soon as you can. So this morning, um, we have a, for some of you, will be a guest speaker. For some of you, will be a reunion. Uh, Mr. Jamie Wynn is with us this morning. He was, and Neil may have gotten this wrong, but I'm going to say the date anyway. You were an intern here in 2007. Is that right? Okay. So he did he did an internship with Glenlock in 2007 and has had several positions since then at First Baptist Douglasville. And um, actually my first camp that I did here about a month after I started at Glenlock was run by Mr. Jamie Wynn. So um, he kind of helped me along because I went to camp. They sent me to camp a month after I started. It was Bad idea on the church's part, but luckily he came through, right? So, um, no, it's, so he has connections to this area, connections to Glenlock. Um, so we want to welcome him, his wife, Kara, and his children, Owen, Aniston, and Bryson. So um, welcome to them this morning. Thank you for being here. And um, I'll, men- I'll mention this. Yeah. Okay. Oh, wow. (laughs) All right, so peanut butter shortage is no longer for now, right? All right, good. Well, I'll mention this again at the end, um, but Jamie is soon taking a new venture, and uh, he will be going to the Boston area to help with a church plant in Boston. And um, that is something new that, that his family, it feels like the Lord is leading them to do. Um, there will be some, some things in the back that you can pick up that talk about what he's going to be doing, a place to receive his, uh, his information and uh, if you feel led to support him in this. Um, and so there, all that information is in the back. I don't want to belabor it. Um, but we are excited to have him here. And first and foremost, he's going to preach the gospel this morning. And uh, little, little did he know, or maybe he did know, that he's continuing our Luke series because he's preaching Acts chapter 1. So he thought you got away, but you didn't. So uh, we're continuing that. But this morning as we get started, I'm going to ask Mr. Terry Harper if he'd come forward, and he's going to read our call to worship. Thank
1: you, Bryson. I'm going to read this morning from uh, uh, John the... Uh, uh, Mm, I guess the 14th chapter is. I'll I'll read a couple of places but the 14th chapter and I'm going to read there because this is one of my favorite areas in in God's word because I, I say many times to people if you can't if you don't have very long to speak to somebody or talk to somebody but you want to leave them with some good information just ask them to read the 14th chapter of John because it's full of great stuff that God shares with us so uh, starting with verse 25 of the 14th chapter, it says, These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. For you have heard me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. If you loved me, you would, you would rejoice because I said, I am going to the Father. For my Father is greater than I. And 29 says, and, and now I have told you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe that I will, no long, but I will no longer talk with you for the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. And we certainly know that, don't we? But that the world may know that I love the Father and, and the Father gave me commandment. So I do. Arise and let us go from here. I'd like to jump over to Acts in the in the second chapter and read a couple of verses 32 and 33. Then Jesus said, God has raised up, has raised up, God has raised up of which we are all witnesses. And then 33, therefore, being exalted to the light, to, to the right hand of God. And having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. And then I'd like to go back and read two verses that I just read, 26 in the 14th chapter. But the helper of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Folks, we have access to the Holy Spirit of God, and if that's what we will listen to, folks, he will give us that peace that he has absolutely promised to us. Thank you, and let's, let's have, let's pray. Almighty God, we come to you now with a very thankful and grateful heart. We're thankful for so many things this morning, God. It would take too long to tell you, but but we'll do it in prayer, God. But I just say to you that you've been so good to us individually and collectively as a church, that, God, we have so much that, that we can just look to you and know that your promises are real that, that everything that your word says to us is the truth, and we can count on it and depend on it. God, this morning I pray that you'll be with every need in this church and in our community, and I pray, Heavenly Father, that you'll be with my friend, Jamie Wynn, as he comes to share the message. And I thank you, Father, for his friendship and for what he has meant to this church and certainly to his church in Douglasville. And God, we would pray that we would be in constant prayer for he and Kara as they go uh, to New England, God, to share the gospel, to spread peace among people who, Father, who may not have that peace. We praise you and we thank you, not for what you, just for what you have done, but what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: If you would, please stand with us.
3: of Miami I raise a hand In the middle of the storm Louder and louder You're gonna hear my phrases roar Up from the ashes Hope will arise Death is defeated The King is alive I raise a hand Fight for me in the presence of my enemies louder than the unbelief. My weapon is a melody. When heaven comes to fight for me, sing a sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you're gonna hear With my soul, it is well, it is well, with my soul. Though Satan should block it, trials should come, let this best assurance can day when the faith shall be sight, the clouds be rolled back as a scroll.
4: and I still didn't unmute. All right, I am unmuted now. We good? All right, perfect. Well, I am thrilled to be back here, thrilled for the opportunity to get to uh, share God's Word with you this morning. Uh, not thrilled that Neil's not here. Love that man and uh, and, and, and grateful opportunities I, I have to spend with him anytime. But Uh, But with him being out of town, he had reached out to me a couple of months ago and asked if I'd be open to the opportunity to come and preach here, and and of course I jumped on the occasion, jumped on the opportunity. Uh, It really is a joy to be back here. He probably got that year, 2007, uh, Neil I think got that year from me, I think that's what I told him when I was back here, my wife did correct me, it was 2008 um, uh, when I was here as an intern, fresh out of college, and... um, I remember um, how I got the position here. Uh, Neil had been a mentor of mine while I was in college, led a Bible study over there, and I got I got finished with college and knew I wanted to go into ministry, but had no idea where to start, and so I decided just to, to to send my resume to the association, and I put Neil on there as one of my references without him even knowing it, and I didn't know he was working uh for the association in a role at that point it was like a liaison there and so my resume came across his desk and he's like oh I know this guy oh I'm one of his references (laughs) so uh so he called me up and uh and asked if I would uh be willing to come on here as as an intern and uh and I tell people it was an internship but if you want to give it a title it was it was the ministry of it was it was minister of whatever it was kind of the role and uh and and it was that because Pastor Neil really let me get so many different opportunities and so many different experiences while I was here that really helped prepare me so well to go into ministry. And, um, and I, I just hope that I was a tenth of a blessing to this church, this church was to me. Uh, it really is. Uh, I come back here and I'm just greeted like family by so many of you, and that's the way I was treated. The entire time we were here and uh, so it was just a sweet sweet time I look back on this time the time that I was here with just um, so much gladness and gratitude in my heart and so I just I just thank this church I thank you for how you have a heart to uh, raise up and even maybe put up with young pastors uh, aspiring pastors to help prepare them well um, for whatever God has for them and so just thank you I just wanted to begin by just saying thank you as I welcome you uh, here this morning. Uh, but we are going to be uh, in the book of Acts, as Bryson mentioned. Um, so we're gonna, you can go ahead and turn there. Acts chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 11. John Calvin called the book of Acts a kind of vast treasure. Martin Lloyd-Jones, uh, in reference to the book of Acts, he says, live in that book. I exhort you. It is a tonic, the greatest tonic I know of in the realm of the Spirit. Um, tonic's not really a word we use nowadays, so think a Red Bull, all right? A Red Bull for the Spirit. That's what the book of Acts can be like. And, and today, we're just going to take, hopefully all of us, will take some sips of the Red Bull of the Spirit this morning in the book of Acts, and it will compel us and encourage us and inspire us to live for Him um, so in honor of the reading of God's word, I do want to ask you to stand on your feet and uh, as we read uh, Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. And it says this, In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach, until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his sufferings by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he had said, You heard from me. in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, and as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Amen. You may be seated. Let's pray as you're seated this morning. Father, we do thank you so much for your word. I do pray that your word would serve um, God as a, as a tonic for our spirit this morning. Lord, As a way to compel us and energize us. And excite us about what you are doing, Lord. It's so easy for our hearts to grow cold and to be distracted by so many things of this world, Lord. But may you remind us about your business, about your mission this morning. May you compel us to live fully sold out lives for you. To put away distraction, to put away the sin and the weight of this world that so easily entangles us, and may we look to you and listen to you and follow you, God, abandoning everything else if necessary, Lord. Lord, we love you and we thank you. We pray all this in Jesus' precious name, amen. Well, I've had the privilege of coaching uh, my kids in sports over the last several years, Um, three of my kids all three of my kids have have played soccer my youngest uh, just this past year and then two my my two boys actually played flag football um, one year and um, I was thinking back to those times of coaching and uh, especially when they were younger uh, kindergarten age and and, and specifically with soccer and football how much um, how important it was for me early on as the coach just to define the objective all right so you, you, you kind of take that for granted with, with, with kids sometimes that they don't even, they're not even really sure what the objective is here. So, so with football, I mean, practice one, I'm telling them, all right, you're going to take this football and you're going to run to that end zone. We're trying to get this football into past that line over there. And when they have the ball, you're trying to keep them from getting it to your end zone. And then with soccer, it's, it's telling them you're trying to take this ball and you're trying to kick it into that goal. Not that goal, that goal, all right? And you have to be very specific with the objective. And I remember uh, being young, they would even allow us coaches to be out on the field. So it wasn't just I was defining the objective for them, pointing the objective to them. I was actually out there guiding them and leading them toward the objective. And kind of know that way and kind of standing in their way sometimes even and kind of direct them that way. I remember I had one kid on my, my flag football team one year. And it didn't matter how much I told him. When you get the ball, you run that way. He thought, I think he thought the objective was just don't get your flags pulled by any means necessary. And so when you get the ball, just run away. And so he would end up in the other end zone or over sitting with his parents or wherever. I think at one point he was running home. I don't know. So, um, but, the, but the objective had to be clearly defined. And then as I was able to be out there on the field, I was even able to help guide them and lead them toward the objective. And I say all that this morning because that's precisely what Jesus is doing for us uh, here in the book of Acts. Um, that's what the, the writer is laying out for us. He just clearly defining for us what is our mission. And then we're even told in this passage that we're empowered, not just his guiding us, he's empowering us toward that mission. In fact, our main idea of our passage today one of our message today is Jesus defines and empowers our mission. Jesus defines and empowers our mission. So um, before we begin and jump into this book today, I want us to just kind of cover a little bit of, of the background of this book, the background of the book of Acts, because I understand you guys are coming out of the book of Luke. Um, Neil did share that with me and thought this would make sense to, to jump into the book of Acts And uh, Because it is part two, really, of the book of Luke. And so, just a little bit of background information. Again, Acts, just like the book of Luke, is written by Luke. Um, Luke would have been one of Paul's traveling companions. So, he's been on some of these missionary journeys with Paul. Um, We know from verse 1 that Luke is writing this account to Theophilus, which is the same person that Luke writes the Gospel of Luke to. Um, so, Luke is addressing Theophilus, and then back in the book of Luke, he actually addresses him as most excellent Theophilus, which means Theophilus was, was likely a wealthy person, a person of influence, uh, a person of means, maybe could have even been a high-ranking official with the Roman government. Uh, so, chances are Theophilus has hired Luke, this physician, this historian, to give him an account of of this guy Jesus as he's heard about. I want you to tell me about this guy Jesus and what he's done and who he is. And so, uh, and in fact, in the book of Luke, uh, we know that um, he's writing these things so that Theophilus may be certain of the things that he's heard. So Luke is given a detailed account of who Jesus is. Uh, The title of the book, um, as you see, it's not in by the way, it's not inspired, but the title of the book is, is Acts. Um, the longer version is Acts of the Apostles. What's interesting is many of the commentators, they don't, they don't really like that title. Um, some would say, well, it's not really Acts of the Apostles. It's the Acts of the Holy Spirit working in the Apostles. In fact, John Stott, he, he, he liked this title. He wrote this title. He, says, he, he suggested this, the continuing words and deeds of Jesus by his Spirit through his Apostles. Maybe a little bit of a long title, uh, but, uh, but a good summary of the book. The continuing words and deeds of Jesus by his spirit through his apostles. I would add through his church, right? That is a good summary of what this book is all about. And, and really um, is what our our first point is, is that Jesus defines the mission. Jesus defines what this mission is. And so we look at this first point here Uh, Our mission is Jesus' mission. Our mission is Jesus' mission. That's what our mission is. Um, Look again at verse 1. He says this uh, in the the first book, again, speaking of Luke, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus, what does he say there, began to do and teach. The implication is Luke was about what Jesus began to do and teach, Acts is about what Jesus continues to do. Jesus' ministry isn't over after his ascension. Jesus' ministry continues on. It's about what Jesus, uh, Luke is about what Jesus began to do. Acts is what he continues to do. Luke was about Jesus' earthly ministry. Acts is about Jesus' heavenly ministry. Jesus is still at work. He's still busy. What is he busy doing? Well, Matthew sixteen through thirteen, or sixteen, chapter sixteen, verses thirteen through twenty, gives a little insight into what Jesus is up to now. Jesus is traveling with his disciples, and he asks this question: Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Who do people say that I am? And they said. Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And then listen to this verse. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. There's a lot we could unpack in this passage but I simply want you to see that Christ is building his church. That's what he's up to. That's the business he's doing. That's what that's what he's focused on. That is his priority. This is what Luke or this is what the book of Acts is all about. The building of the church. The building of Jesus' bride. The building of his body. The expansion of Christ's rule by the Spirit through his church. You see, if we put Luke and Acts together, Luke is about what Jesus did in his physical body. Acts is about what Jesus does through his mystical body, the church. Luke shows us how Jesus inaugurates his kingdom Acts shows us how Jesus expands his kingdom. Luke lays out for us the good news of Jesus' life and resurrection. Acts shows us how Jesus Jesus uses his people to take the good news to the ends of the earth. In fact, most scholars uh, believe that Acts 1-8 is really kind of like a table of contents for the book. Um, It tells us that you are to be his witnesses. We are to be his witness to Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. If you look at chapter 1 through 7... It just describes the events in Jerusalem, the church expanding in Jerusalem. But then you get into chapter 8 and there's some persecution that happens and the church is scattered into Judea and Samaria. And then by the end of the book, we see Paul traveling to Rome, which in that day would have been seen as the ends of the earth. That's what the book is all about. God's kingdom expanding. God taking the gospel locally and then to the ends of the earth. And that's what our lives are to be about as well what Jesus's mission was this is this is what he was all about so when we talk about um, our mission we're not merely talking about our mission we're talking about what Jesus's mission is and he invites us to be a part of that mission as his church as his followers and so we get to join in with what God is doing all around the world so if this is indeed Jesus's mission then it must be our mission if we're to say we're followers of him, then this what must be a part of what we're doing. Being his witnesses locally and to the ends of the earth. We must remain committed to this mission because Jesus is, 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 is committed to this mission. It's, it's his priority, so it has to be our priority. So let me ask you, how does Jesus' mission rank for you? Where does it rank in your priorities Jesus' business is growing his church. Is that your business? His priority is spreading his fame and making disciples of all nations. Is that your priority? If we're honest in here, um, we, we have a tendency to mix up our priorities sometime. Um, I was thinking about a story I heard several years ago of a, of, a, of a guy who had got an opportunity, got tickets to the Super Bowl. And he's sitting there at the Super Bowl, and, and he realizes it's, it's about halfway through the game, and the seat in front of him has never been filled. It's been empty the entire game, and the game's halfway over. And so just curious of why nobody ever sat in that seat, what happened to the person that's sitting in that seat. He, he taps the, the lady on the shoulder sitting in front of him that was sitting right next to the empty seat, and just, just asks the lady, I, I have to ask... Um, Do you know whose seat that is? And he said, well, she said, yeah, it's it's actually actually my husband, but but he passed. The guy said, man, I'm so sorry. Um, He said, but I'm just kind of surprised, like, none of your friends or family were willing to take the seat. She said, yeah, beats me. They all decided to go to the funeral. We laugh at that story, and uh, but the reality is, um, we all have a tendency to mix up our priorities, don't we? Um, to mo- not make the, the the important things, the most important things, and and focus on those, and 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 let other things take a back seat. And so again, I I want to encourage you to make Jesus's mission our mission. Robbie Galaty says that. Jesus' final words are to be our first priority. And so be sure we're getting our, let's be sure we're getting our priority straight and keeping our priority straight and keeping Christ's mission, our mission, His work, our work. The second point is our mission is empowered by the Spirit. Our mission is empowered by the Spirit. Look at verse 3. Here he says, and he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs appearing to them forty days, and speaking about the kingdom of God, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, "You heard from them, me for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now, and then if you Go down to verse 8, we're told that you, uh, he tells his disciples, his followers, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Jesus has this grand plan to send his followers to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. That's his mission. And we're going to talk about that more in just a moment. But notice this, he tells them not to get after it right away. He tells them to wait. He tells them to hang tight. All right. I'm going to send you a helper. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. He's the one that's going to empower you to do this mission. Terry read for us um, in the book of John about this promise. I want to read several passages from John really 14 all the way through 16, just a handful of snippets of passages that speak about this helper to come. John 14.16 14.16 says this, I will ask the Father and He will give you another helper that that He may be with you forever. John 14.26, But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. John 15.26, When the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth who proceeds from, From the Father, he will testify about me. And then John 16, 7. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples saying, It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you. Listen, Jesus knows we can't do this mission without him. Jesus knows that we need the helper the holy spirit to empower us. And when he says that and when it says here that he ordered the apostles to stay in Jerusalem, not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait, this this idea, this, this word order in the original language, it's not a suggestion. It's it's hey it's not, it's not hey, it might be a good idea to wait, you know, it might be better. You might be better off if you wait on the holy spirit. He is ordering them, this is a military term, ordering them to stay where they are. This is strict orders, this is authoritative. Um, It would also be a term used uh, by a judge to summon someone to court, or when a doctor prescribed medication, he's ordering this for them, right? So Jesus had this massive mission to complete, but the first order of business was to wait, Wait on the promised Holy Spirit. Because he knew that this was a job way too big for them on their own. They needed the Spirit to accomplish this mission. I was thinking back several years ago. Um, I, I'm, not, I'm not a handyman. I don't, I don't claim to be at all. Um, but I also am, am um, tight with my money, so I don't like to, to spend it. So I try to figure stuff out around the house, right? And so I I decided to build some shelves, instead of go buy some shelves, I decided to build some shelves in our garage. And um, so my middle son, Owen, he was probably about three, maybe four at the time, and he wanted to help. Hey, Daddy, can I help you build these shelves? Of course, buddy, come on out. So he comes out there, and uh, I'm getting all the tools out and kind of getting stuff laid out and trying to figure out how I'm going to do this. And I had to run inside to grab something uh, real quick, and I just said, Owen, I'm going to run inside. You wait here. Don't touch anything, all right? Don't mess with anything. Don't start trying to get the saw out and doing this yourself. You wait on daddy. I'll come back and then we'll do this together, right? Well, why did I say that? Cuz my 3 or 4-year-old, this was a too too big of a task for him to do on his own. He was probably going to hurt himself in the process. I needed him to wait on me first to help him with this. That's precisely what Jesus is telling his followers. Wait on me. i got a task for you. i got something for you to complete. But you need to wait on me to empower you, to strengthen you, to give you the ability, you the words to say, to, to be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. We're to wait on the Holy Spirit. Now, this is a, this is a command given to Jesus' followers then. For us as followers now, we know... Through Scripture, it's very clear to us that the moment you become a follower of Christ, you're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. He fills you. You're baptized in the Spirit, right? And so you now, as followers of Jesus, you already have this Spirit inside of you. And so for us to wait on the Spirit means we're seeking the Spirit and asking the Spirit to guide us. We're not having to wait on the Spirit to show up. The moment you become a believer, you're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. So you now have the power, the ability to go out and be His witnesses right now. It doesn't matter if you're a brand new Christian or you've been a Christian for 60 years. You're empowered with the same Holy Spirit that, that compels you and empowers you to be His witnesses that leads us to our third point as we define this mission and we see clearly we've been talking about verse 8 this really this whole time but we see clearly we're going to look clearly at verse 8 at this point so the mission the third point is our mission involves being witnesses to all peoples being witnesses to all peoples to the ends of the earth locally um, and just going out from there right this is what, part of what the Spirit empowers us to do, to be His witnesses to the ends of the earth. We must take, uh, both must take place. We're to be His witnesses here and to the ends of the earth. But also, being His witnesses entails that we're both, it entails both words and deeds. So, so we're His witnesses. As we demonstrate what it looks like to have this transformed life of Christ. This transformed life in Christ. We're we're, we're his witnesses as we um, mirror his character and what he's like. As we look and act more and more like Jesus. As we put off sin and put on righteousness and demonstrate what God has done in our lives. We're to be His witnesses through our deeds, by doing good to other people, by bringing shoe boxes or helping in the food pantry and different things like that, by serving in your community. You're His witnesses through your actions, through your deeds. But it's not just to be our deeds. It does entail our words. We have to proclaim the good news of the gospel. Good news is meant to be proclaimed. It's meant to be announced. You've probably heard the saying before, uh, preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. Well, Well, I'm here to tell you, it's necessary to preach the gospel. Words are necessary. It is good news meant to be proclaimed. It is the good news that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And three days later, he rose again. And that is the message that we proclaim, that everybody who believes in him gets the joy and the promise of being forgiven of their sin. And being being with God for all of eternity. That is the good news that we are to proclaim. So we don't just do it with our words. We don't just do it with our actions. We do it with both. If you just do it with your words. But not your actions. Then we become hypocritical. Right? And we actually turn people away from the gospel. But if we just do it with our actions. And not with our words. We leave people hopeless. They want to know what this hope is we have. So, we have to tell them. We have to proclaim it. We have to share this message with them, this message of why we have hope, why we have peace with those around us. So, how is your witness? Are you regularly and consistently engaging in conversations about Christ and the gospel? Listen, that, that question's, I'm a pastor, but that question's just as convicting for me as it might be for you. This is an area I know all of us need to grow in. But listen, we can't make excuses or downplay our disobedience in this area. Jesus calls us to make him known. It's not a suggestion, it is a command. It's not something just for the elite Christians or the ones who are gifted in evangelism. It's the call of every single follower of Christ be his witnesses. You say, well, I don't, I don't know how to do that. You do what I do when I was trying to build a shelf, right? You watch some YouTube videos. You look it up. You, you do some research. You figure out how to share the gospel. Get you a tool like Three Circles or the Roman Road or Way of the Master or something. Talk to a pastor. Talk to a leader. How do I share my faith? I want to share the gospel with people, but I don't know how. Get some help. That's why we have the church, to help sharpen us in this area. Jesus tells his disciples when they initially follow him, Follow me, and you will become fishers of men. I'm going to develop you into people who fish for men. You're going to take. You're right now. You're you're casting this net to catch fish that will become that are living that will become dead. But I'm going to have you cast the net of the gospel. You're going to catch dead people, and they're to become alive. That's the call of every single one of us. We can't push that off to to somebody else. We can't delegate that out. We can't contract that out. It is our mission to be his witnesses. And again, it's not just locally. It's to the ends of the earth. We do need to start here. Church, be witnesses right here in Glenlock, in the Glenlock area, right here in Hurd County, right here in West Georgia. There are people who are without hope right now that desperately need to hear this message. But it doesn't end there. As you go to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We're to continue to push this out, extend this out. This is Matthew 28, 18. This is the Great Commission. Jesus tells his followers, Make disciples of all nations. Make disciples of all nations. The commission is not just make converts. It is make disciples. But it's not just make as many disciples as possible either. It's make disciples of all nations. All peoples. That's the word there. Ethne. All peoples. Not just, we don't just think about nations in terms of uh, Germany and, and China and USA. We think of nations as people groups. All kind of distinct people groups all around the world. Thousands of people groups all around the world. And many of whom have yet to hear the gospel. And so as we consider the Great Commission, as we consider Acts 1-8, to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth, we have to consider where are the areas in the world where there, there is not disciple-making happening. There are not churches there who are making disciples. And if we were to look at a map of the world, and we were to light the map up with, with Christians, it would it'd be real obvious right there in that 1040 window we call it between uh, latitude 10 and 40 just kind of north africa middle east uh, asia all that area to be real dark right in that area we call that the 1040 window and there are thousands of unreached people groups unengaged unreached people groups right there in that area and we have a responsibility to figure out as, it, as the church to get the gospel to them because the commission is make disciples of all nations, not just as many disciples as possible. If that was the mission, then we figure out where the most people are coming to faith, where the most people are being converted, and we pour all our resources into that area because, because we just want to make as many followers as possible. That's not the mission. The mission given to us by our commanding officer is all people everywhere. That means no matter what it costs, no matter what sacrifices we have to make to get the gospel to people who haven't heard, we got to figure it out, and we got to get the gospel there. we got to plant churches there. And so you know about the, the 1040 window I've described, but what about right here in America? Are there areas unreached? And by unreached, I mean less than 2% evangelical Christian. Are there areas right here in America that are considered less than 2% evangelical Christian? And the answer is yes, two areas. Salt Lake City, Utah, for obvious reasons, you know much about that area, and all six states of New England, all six states of New England considered less than 2% evangelical Christian. Much of the area is now considered what they would call post-Christian. Christianity doesn't even affect the culture there anymore. It doesn't even really affect values and that kind of stuff. And so a lot of people have asked us about our story and and this call to go move to, to New England, specifically... I know it was shared Boston. Specifically, we're going to be in New Bedford, Massachusetts is, uh, is where the Lord is calling our family to go. And the reason is, the reason we, we've, we've made this decision to go is because we wrestled with these texts. To go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, all peoples. And we recognize right here in America, there are people uh, who are unreached. There's areas that are unreached. And we have a responsibility to get the gospel to them. So the question for us was uh, not should we go, but should we stay? In light of this, should we honestly stay? And I think all of us should wrestle with that question. And I'm not saying everybody should move their lives to the 1040 window or to New England, but perhaps more of us should. In light of the need, in light of the gospel, in light of Acts 1:8 and Matthew 28:18, to get the gospel to all nations, There's going to be sacrifices that got to be made. But here's the reality. All of us, whether we go or whether we stay, we have a responsibility to be obedient here. So that means you send, you support, you pray for, you give. You give to things like Lighty Moon, and this is not just a commercial to support us. You you give whatever God has laid on your heart to help get the gospel to people who have never heard, because that is the mission. It is Christ's mission, but it is also our mission given to us that we have to be obedient to. We can't shrug this off. We can't put this aside. So church, how will you play a part in this mission? What part will you play? Individuals, families. How will you support? How will you possibly go to help get the gospel to people who have never heard? And this leads me to our last point here, um, which is our mission will continue until Christ returns. Our mission will continue until Christ returns. Verse 9 says this, And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up. And a cloud took him out of their sight. And that wh- while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them with right white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus was, who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. I, c- I can just imagine the disciples seeing Jesus go up into heaven. And they're just standing there like probably mouths open. Just standing there. Probably something like this. And, and and you can imagine, like, if there's a crowd around, they may other people may be like, what are they what are they looking at? You know, they start they start looking too, and what's going on? And and they're just standing there gazing up into heaven, probably wondering what just happened. Is he coming back? He already left us once, or we we thought he left us once, but you know, it turns out he rose from the dead. Now he's with us, now he's gone. What what what's going on here? And so to help him out, some angels show up, and then they ask him, "Why do you stand here looking in heaven? This Jesus you just saw going to heaven—he's coming back, and you got work to do. Don't just stand here stargazing. Don't just stand here looking up. You got a responsibility. You got work to do. There's a lot to be done. So, so get to work. Go wait on the Holy Spirit, and then go get to work fulfilling this commission. But, but still, the promise is there." We desperately need this promise. Jesus is coming back; he will return. But in the meantime, we got work to do. Matthew twenty four fourteen gives us a little insight of his return, and listen to this in connection to uh, Acts one eight and Matthew twenty eight eighteen. It says this: the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the world. It's going to happen. As a testimony to all nations, and then listen to this, and then the end will come. Jesus promises that his mission will be fulfilled, and then he's coming back. But we got a task for now. we got work to be done. But Jesus promises that task will be complete. And as we close, I want to go back to the illustration I started with of me being a football coach or a soccer coach Um, you know i could define the objective i could help guide them and coach them the best i could but at the end of the day i didn't know what the outcome was going to be i didn't know if we were going to score any goals score any touchdown i didn't know if we were going to win the game or not that's not so with jesus he knows exactly how it's all going to end And what we read about in the book of Revelation is there is coming a day when Jesus will return. And he will gather people from all nations, from all tribes, from all languages, from all tongues. People from all over the world to the ends of the earth. All nations will be gathered to him. A multitude that can't even be numbered, the Bible says. And they will stand before the throne and they will worship all of eternity God will fulfill his mission and he is using his church the question is what part will we play in it are we looking forward to his return and the rewards that we will enjoy on that day because we made sacrifices to make sure the gospel got to the end of the nation got to the end of the earth listen I believe again my family we 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 feel compelled to go. I believe that whether you live here, where, wh- listen, wherever you live, if you are living for God's glory, God is delighted in that. And listen, I believe that, that those who send and those who go get to share in the same rewards in heaven. If you, if you give, if you support, if you pray for, you get to enjoy the reward of knowing that because you prayed, because you gave, because you went, There are individuals whose eternity was changed because of that. There are individuals who are there in heaven rejoicing. And you get to to enjoy the fact that they're there for all of eternity because you played a part in that. And how sweet that will be. What a joy. I think that's the reward, isn't it? It's not crowns and and mansions and all. It's, it's the reward of knowing, the joy of knowing that I played a part. My shoebox played a part in getting a kid that I never even got to meet before and getting a kid into eternity. Won't they be awesome that day when we get to look around and we get, it gets to be revealed to us all the lives that were changed because of the life we lived? Won't that be a great day? Listen, Jesus is returning for his bride and he will gather a people May we be faithful to get the gospel to the ends of the earth. I'm going to go invite the worship team back up as we close. I'm going to close out in just a moment and I'll I'll pray and the worship team will lead in a few other songs here. Or one other song here. Um, But As we move in this time of, of invitation... Most of this message, really all of this message, has been geared toward us as followers of Christ. But it's possible you may be in this room and there's never been a time that you've put your trust and faith in Jesus Christ. And so I just want to invite you during this time to trust in Christ, to look to him. We've shared that Jesus died, he he lived a perfect life, he died in your place on the cross, and then three days later, he rose again. That's the message we as Christians want to share, want to proclaim, want to make known. And maybe for you, that's the first time you've ever really understood that message, that message really clicked for you. And so I just want to invite you this morning, because of what Christ has done, to, to surrender your life to him, to turn from your sins and trust in him as Lord and Savior. And if that's you in this room, in just a moment, When the the band plays, when they lead us in this one last song, I just want to invite you to come forward. Bryson will be up here. I'll be up here. And you can come forward and talk to us, pray with us. We'd love to talk to you about what it means to be a follower of Christ. And then for others in this room, you are a follower of Christ. And we've just talked about the Great Commission. We've talked about um, our mission as his followers. So I just want to invite you to take some time during this uh, invitation time, during the song, to just examine yourself. Examine, is Jesus' priority my priority? Am I willing to lay down my life even to get the gospel to the ends of the earth? There's people right now in my life who are close to me, but they're far from God, that I need to take this message of the gospel to them. Are there sacrifices I need to make to help get the gospel to the ends of the world? Earth? Are there people I need to support, or, or maybe I need to give to, to Lottie Moon, or, or get a shoebox up here before Bryson has to deliver those? <clears throat> what is God compelling you to, to do to help get the gospel to the ends of the earth? To make disciples of all nations? So I just want to give you an opportunity just to pray about that, consider that as we go into this last song. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you so much for. Your word, we thank you so much for this good news that has come to us. But we know it's come to us so that it can go to somebody else, Lord. So may we not just hold on to this good news. May we share this good news. May we announce this good news. May we we proclaim it both locally and to the ends of the earth. God, I pray that Glenlock Baptist Church, God, though one among Thousands of churches, hundreds of thousands of church, would play a massive role in this mission. Through their sacrifice, through their giving, through their prayers, through their diligence to make the gospel known right here and everywhere, Lord. I continue to bless this church, encourage this church, minister to this church, raise up leaders from within this church. Continue to pray for the current leaders, pray that you bless them, encourage them. And use them to lead this church faithfully and lead this church well. God, there may even be some in this room who you are laying on their heart right now to trust in you. And I pray that they would just be obedient to that. Others in this room, Lord, maybe you're compelling them to, to give sacrificially or to pray more diligently for your mission. Others in this room, you may even be raising up and compelling to go. God, 13 years ago when I was here, I know I didn't imagine me possibly living in New England one day. God, but even now, maybe you're preparing someone to go to areas that are unreached with the gospel. I just pray that you begin to plant those seeds and prepare them to be faithful to that calling. Lord, we thank you for this time. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to go ahead and invite you to stand on your feet. As the Lord leads you, um, may you pray and respond.
3: And tempts me to despair And tells me of the guilt within